Welcome back to another Awareness to Action Enneagram podcast. My name is Creek, and I'm with my Plastidious co-host. What the hell is Plas- that? Placid? Yeah, I don't know. Placid? Uh-huh. Placidious? <laughs> I don't know. Wow. Oy, oy, oy. We're running out of adjectives. <laughs> <laughs> I just had ChatGPT give, give me a list. Yeah. Give mean, it another try, Creek. <laughs> all right. ChatGPT says, I don't know how to say that word or that one. Wow. Utopian, Placidious? Arcadian, ethereal, quincey. So, so, so are you going? Are you going with a nine-ish theme here? Is yeah, that what you're looking trying for? to do? Oh, okay. I'm trying gotcha, to gotcha. You know, stay on theme. Okay. Um, today we're talking about nines, and uh, mom is back to help keep the peace. So <laughs> keep us on track, <laughs> or not, yes. or not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For depending on how you behave. Eating. Yeah, we're back eating our vegetables. Uh, for, for <laughs> no more uh, Fruit Loops yeah, and beef yeah. jerky. Yeah. Um, well, that's my so, problem. I don't enforce that kind of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, food. So, tell me, you two, what is? Uh, who are some nines in your life? Do you have any nines in your life? Um, let's see. So, my mother was a is a. Sorry, mom. Um, <laughs> What do you have planned, Mario? She's listening. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, She's a preserving nine, uh, as is my son. My oldest son is a preserving nine, Mm. too. And actually, my youngest son is a, no, my third son is a transmitting nine. Yeah. yeah. See, that's the thing about nines. You kind of forget about them, right? (laughs) (laughs) Only two of your four kids are nines. And And your mother. And you had to think about it. What in the world? <laughs> oh, uh, man. Okay. I have MJ. a very good friend who is like a sister, who is a nine. Mm. That's great. That's great. Yeah. I have many friends that are nines as well. Sorry to hear that. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's, you know. Um, but we're going to talk about the subtypes of nine today. And... And do we have a business partner? Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Forgot all about him. Yeah. 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 Forgot, forgot all about him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, uh, this is going great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wow. Yikes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> my father in law's a nine. Yeah. <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> Just jumping out of the woodwork now. Yeah. Um, so we're talking about the subtypes. <laughs> we're talking about the subtypes of nine today. And we're talking about the subtypes of nine today. Um, what are some common mistypings um, that you've encountered when it comes to the subtypes of nine? Two that they're in general uh, they might be confused with two especially the navigating nine six as well at times probably the preserving nine um the transmitting nine with three i think it depends on the subtypes as you can yeah, see yeah, yeah, sure um, right there, there's yeah. no one i think common mistyping i'd say mm. yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I've seen preserving nines um, mistyped as fives, fives mistyped as nines. So the nines are nines are quite frequently mistyped. I think, mm. at least initially. Would you put Would you put them at like the top three 
that are mistyped? Oh, I don't know. Um, uh, let's see. I don't know. Well, uh, could be. I think. I think mistyped by others, but not necessarily by themselves, right? I think mm-hmm. other. I think sixes have a harder time identifying their type. I think fours are resistant uh, very often to identifying their type. I think that some of the subtypes. Uh, I think, for example, the the transmitting nine is very often mistyped. Yep. But in terms of self-identification, uh, when people are confused several times, it's between nine and six. Yeah. Uh, that's a very, very mm-hmm. common confusion that people have. And you have to explain further the distinction between the two. Yeah. And I think that's usually because of the nine seeing their anxiety. Uh, and misidentifying as a six rather than other people thinking the nine is a six. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into this because I do think that nines are often, especially like the transmitting nine. I no no one really accurately represents the transmitting nine very well um, out out yeah. there often. Like it's yeah. It's like you can't be can't be a nine. Right. Um, right. So let's go ahead and let's jump into the preserving nine. What what can we what can we tell about the preserving nine? So I, I think there are two stereotypes of the nine, and um, I think that the preserving nine is one of them. The navigating nine is the other, and it depends again who you read, and 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 you see this with all the types that, you know, very often when people write books, they're having one of the subtypes in mind, and as they're writing about the type itself. And so I think some authors have the preserving nine in mind. And so that comes across as somebody who is less willing to put themselves out in the world in a public way, assert themselves. Now, I want to be really clear. This idea that nines are lazy, I think, is a real misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that, you you know, you can see laziness in lines. I'll tell you, I'll take my oldest son, for example. I mean, he's a really hard worker and has always been valued at his jobs, right? I mean, he's only 20, so he's only had a couple. But he's got a really good work ethic. But at home, I mean, you couldn't get him to pick up a sock if you pointed a gun at him, right? So, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, and I've tried, you know, said, no. but I, I've worked with lots of nines who are really, really industrious people. And in fact, you know, some transmitting nines I know are among the hardest working and longest working people that I've ever met. So when we talk about sloth and the nine, it's about asserting themselves and asserting their needs. And it's about engagement with some of the more challenging things in the world. And so what we see in the preserving nine is a tendency to kind of get caught in routines, right? To like habits, to sort of cocoon when they can. So you almost see this, you know, they'll work really hard all day and then it's like, all right, don't talk to me anymore. Don't bother me. I just want to sit here and, you know, veg out to Netflix or whatever. So um, we start to see that. Yeah, that, that the preserving nine also because of the routines and the whole preserving aspects of this profile is uh, sometimes also uh, misidentified with one because they're more a bit more rigid yeah. um, than the other two subtypes. Rigid yeah. in what way? Because of the routines and the yeah. um, processes and attention to detail. Yeah, you, you'll get you'll get. You know, um, you'll get anger 
when their routines are disrupted, right? So, um, mm-hmm. and when their when their peace of mind is disrupted. So, I come home from work. I want to just chill out, not be bothered by anything. And if somebody disrupts that in some way, or if at work somebody disrupts my routine, uh, that you you can see flashes of anger that seem out of character. Um, and to Mario's point, that can look one-ish to some people, right? Um, yeah, because they will it, criticize what's not working in that regard around them. Yeah. And and it looks like you're criticizing like a one, but it's not because it's not perfect. It's because it's not working for me. It's yeah. disrupting, as Mario was saying, my peace. Yeah, some of the other things you tend to see in preserving nines is they're really self-deprecating, right? There's a, a real... It's interesting because at the same time they have routines that they don't want disrupted, they also work really hard to minimize their needs and any burden that their needs might place on other people. It's this real mix between I really need those things that I want in the preserving domain, but I don't want to ask for them. I don't want to have to ask for them. I don't want to have to be a burden on somebody else. So it's it's a real tension around getting their needs met. And one of the things you see, now you see this in all nines. It's one of the, the hallmark indicators of a nine, but it's really most prominent in the preserving nine is this tendency to self-deprecate and to put themselves down, to minimize their importance, their value, uh, minimize their accomplishments. Uh, and it's it's a real career killer for nines in a lot of ways because you know they send these micro messages out of not being important and after a while people start believing those messages without knowing why they're believing that the nine is not important or not making a big contribution but it's the nine who's been saying it all along would you say that they that they actually believe they're not important or they're or they don't feel like they should let other people know that they feel they are important I think that there are two aspects here. One is that because of the preserving instinctual bias, they don't want, they feel like they just need to do their job and not brag about it, not show off, not um, have to sell it, sell, kind of sell themselves. And on the other side, uh, they don't want to seem arrogant, and it's the neglected strategy at point three. So it's both things that I don't want to people to think that I think too highly of myself, so I'll self-deprecate. And I don't think I should be talking about my value. I will not talk about it. I think the issue of value is a real critical one for nines. Mm. Uh, am, I, am I valuable? Am I lovable? Am I good? All of these things, they, they tend to have doubt deep down inside. Now, of course, we all have doubt about those things deep down inside. But I, I think it's it's pretty critical for nines yeah. very often. I, here's, 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 what I could, here's the way I like to think about it, is it's almost like a proactive, I'm not important. I don't put on any airs of being important, so I don't have to hear from you that I'm not important. Right. It reminds me of a, a friend of mine, actually, who, who is a nine, and he's, he's a really big guy, right? a really you know, large guy, and he would always make 
jokes about his size and jokes about being fat. And he would say, basically, I'm beating people to the punch, right? I don't want to hear from other people that I'm overweight. So I put it out there myself. And I think you see that around needs with nines a lot. I, I want to, I don't want to face the pain of somebody telling me that I'm not important enough to have my needs met. So I'm going to just act as if it doesn't matter to me. So the, the flavor of questioning, um, like we all deal on some level of not believing in our own value, but the, the flavor has more to do with importance or insignificance. Um, Maybe I'm just yeah. parsing hairs or yeah. splitting hairs. Yeah. So, so I, I don't think they believe they are insignificant. Right. I think that it's more like I don't want to feel or I don't think I am too significant, <laughs> but, yeah. but not that I am insignificant. I can give another example of something a nine told me one time. He had four siblings, I think, and they were all pretty close in age. I think he was the youngest. And he told me that one time his mother said to him, you know, you were my favorite as a baby because I could just put you in the middle of the floor and you would lay there and play with your toes for hours. Right? So it was almost like, you know, I love you because you don't bother me. Right? Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of, I think, a message that nines carry is, you know, I'll be lovable if I'm not a burden to mm. people. Yeah. Mm. I mean, that that also sounds two-ish. And honestly, I experienced that too on some level as a four. What's, yeah. how, how, what's the difference there? Again, I, I think we all feel these things. You know, we're really, and I, I don't want to get ahead of us in the podcast here, but we're getting into the domain of the core mm. qualities, right? Mm -hmm. And so we can all relate to all of the core qualities, but the nine feels this most acutely. The kind of the trap of the nine is... Um, being stuck between this idea of self-sacrifice and, and, and almost kind of a suicide, right? So they, they, they can seem like I am, you know, I'm easygoing, I'm likable, I, you know, want to get along with people. And it's almost like, it's not so much like they're being helpful all as much as it is. I'm just taking myself out of the picture so I'm not a burden on you. And that will just keep me in your good graces. So let's keep talking about more specifically the preserving nine. Let's yeah. talk about the pattern of expressions. Yeah, the um, zone of enthusiasm is preserving, of course. So that's what they pay attention to more. And as we said, that manifests in their routines, attention to detail, a bit more rigid. Also focus on tasks, not as much as they probably the navigating one in their relationships. Now the inner conflict, the zone of inner conflict is navigating. And as most preservers, they feel drawn to it. And I think that as a nine, monitoring the group and how peaceful or how much conflict there is, it's natural of all nines in some way. So they have a bit of that naturally, but more targeted to identifying conflict, but also can see things, but feel conflicted about it. Like, am I doing enough? 
Should I do more of this, etc.? Yeah. Most preserve on this uh, idea of the navigating domain. Most preserving nines I know have a you know a really tight small circle of friends. Mm. Okay, and so they are actually a bit more social than a lot of the other preservers are. Right, and in my experience, that there is this element of yeah, I like to be, I, I'm comfortable with this small group of people. And so I like to be with them up to a point, of course. And, and this is the, this is where the inner conflict comes in. They get to that point and it's like, okay, I'm done with this. I just want to go back to my, to my cocoon. Yeah. And there's these uh, ambivalence about wanting to be with groups like that, but also having to work too much to create those groups or to nurture those groups. It's, and then the zone of indifference is transmitting. And I think that in the case of the, pre of the preserving nine, as I said before, it gets amplified with the uh, neglected strategy at point three. So yeah. I, I don't want to transmit. I feel uncomfortable with it, but I also avoid kind of feeling too outstanding, which, as I said, amplifies that zone even more. In this case, they, they they really are very self-deprecating, and and uh, and when you, when I think somebody might be a nine, you know, I'm somebody I'm assessing, and I ask them how how do you feel about attention, you know, how do you feel about drawing attention to yourself, you can see the preserving nines, you know, physically flinch to that question because just the idea of going out of their way to draw attention to themselves in any way is just so uncomfortable and so foreign to them. That feels more like zone of inner conflict than indifference. No, it's, it's just, it, it's, yeah. So it's, it's, it's because there, there's no desire to do it and see, this is with the zone of the inner conflict. There's some desire to do it. I'm conflicted because part of me wants to do it and part of me doesn't. Okay. So with the, you know, the zone of indifference, it's like, no, I, I just have no interest whatsoever in doing things that draw attention mm -hmm. to myself. Yeah. So, yeah. So there can still be strong feelings of sure. indifference sure. towards I, I, something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you talk to us about preserving stuff, you know, and, you know, you'll get a reaction out of me, you mm -hmm. know, that's like, why would I do that? You know, and there mm -hmm. can be a little heat behind the reaction. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah. it's because I'm so indifferent to it and somebody's making me, you know, trying to make me do it. Yeah. All right. Let's yeah. move on to the navigating nine. What do we need to know about navigating nines? Well, the navigating nine is, you know, I, I started off by saying that there are two different stereotypes and of the nine and the navigating nine is the other stereotype. And it's the, it's the nine that gets along with everybody. Right. It's just that they're easygoing. They blend in really well. They're very personable. They're, they're very skilled interpersonally most of the time. Right. They really read groups well. They identify tensions between people. They find ways to harmonize those tensions. So this is the nine who really does build consensus, create harmony, find common points of view, et cetera. Okay. So again, this is really the other stereotype of the nine. Yeah. It's like, it makes me think of a diplomat you know, who has to understand the group dynamics and navigate it in a way that doesn't create conflict or that's kind of the last resource. 
and they pick their bottles, their bottles, they're nice, easy to get along with. Hopefully, I mean, that kind of diplomat, there might be other diplomats who are not like that, but, but yeah, it makes me think of that. And there's, um, one of the big challenges they have is feeling like they're losing their own voice in the group, right? Because they're so good at seeing all these different points of view that, you know, well, you know, so-and-so says this and -and so-and-so says that, and the other person says this. And sometimes you just want to ask them, okay, well, but what do you have to say, right? You know, stop telling me what everybody in the group has to say. Tell me what you have to say and what you think. And they can struggle to put that out there, right? Because it can feel alienating, right? If I put my Mm -hmm. point of view out there, then I might alienate people who don't share that point of view. Or or I might be shown to be, you know, uh, insufficient, in some way, right? If I tell people what I'm really thinking, they might not value my ideas, and that can be painful to experience. So, I think that the the awareness of what people are going to think or how they're going to react or perceive my actions, that awareness uh, makes them not state what they really think, and it's hard to read them. It's hard to know where they stand, yeah, because they kind of adapt too much uh, so that they don't create conflict. They can be like smoke sometimes, right? Or, you know, fog in a way, you know, of just I'm not sure, you know, what I'm grabbing on to here. Now, I want to be careful because, again, I have worked with very skillful navigating nines who were excellent leaders and who, you know, were really execution-oriented and that sort of thing. But it was usually execution orientation through others, you know, not so much that they were, you know, driving things. And... The, the ones that I've worked with who have failed have all failed around asserting a specific point of view or not asserting a specific mm-hmm. point of view when it was called upon. Yeah, I was talking to a navigating nine the other day who had not spoken to a lot in the time that I've known this person. And this time, this person was sharing thoughts about other people that surprised me. Like I never thought that it had so many um, opinions about these people, you know, because it usually never voiced them. And, but they were there. It's not like they don't have an opinion. It's just that I don't want to state it because it will create problems or conflict and I better keep it to myself. If constantly creating consensus, um, obviously there's a, there's a gift to that. Never stating the opinion or whatever. What what sort of things do they run into because of that uh, proclivity? Well, it, it's not being recognized for their own achievements, right? So, um, and and this is one of the big frustrations that you hear from navigating nines is this uh, this feeling of not being appreciated for their own contribution. It's that I've got these big ideas, I've accomplished this, I've accomplished that, and nobody knows it, nobody appreciates it, et cetera. And um, so it's it's kind of, they, they can feel like they've lost their sense of identity. And again, it's, it's value in the, navi- in the navigating domain, right, is who am I within this group? And they can be hard to describe because I don't know, I don't know what this person stands for. I like her. I like him. 
you know, fun to talk to, interesting, you know, does a good job. But I don't know who they are at the core. So would you say that in, in some ways it could occasionally be hard to get to know someone like that? Yeah, and it, w- what's interesting is that they're the kind of person that you feel like you know well until you start to think about it and then realize that, wow, I don't know this person uh, because hmm. they're, they're, they're great at connecting. They're great at you know, asking questions. They're great at, absolutely great at asking questions, right? Great at making people feel paid attention to. And, you know, but even they're, they're, they're good at, they can seem to be open, but then you, again, you realize it's uh, again, like smoke, right? It's, it's, you know, or I think Tai Chi is a better analysis, right? You know, you go to grab a Tai Chi master and they just, you you know, they just blend with everything, right? So, um, you know, if you've ever tried to grab onto a Tai Chi master, you just can't do it. And, you know, they'll know how to move just enough to get out of your grasp and then send you flying, you know, and that's how a nine can feel interpersonally. It's like, oh, I thought I had them. And then I realize I missed. Now, it's, it's, I think it's important to mention again, because we've said it several times, that we might have been focusing too much on the potential issues of each Kind of profile and yeah. and all of them have their strengths uh, which are really important like the right profile in the right place it's a really powerful uh, resource for sure so so because I, I can think of another navigating nine that I work with and the guy is brilliant yeah and he's known for picking his battles. People know that he's not going to fight for everything that he cares about. Uh, but that's, that role serves him well. Um, that characteristic serves him well in the role he has. Yeah. You know, so it's, it is important to, to see that it's only when it's a problem that it's a problem. It's not always a problem. Yeah. For sure. And, I, you know, I can share an example of a, of a guy that I've known and, you know, worked with for 20 years, who was an extremely successful executive and was CEO of multiple companies and did really, really well. And he was able to leverage all these strengths of the Navigating Nine, primarily around relationship building, right? And understanding people and what motivates them and being able to, you know, find that thing that's going to lead them where he needs them to go. So, yeah, but for sure, when, you know, as with all the types, when they're doing well, they're doing amazing. And if you want a uh, an example to listen to of a Navigating Nine, you can go back to uh, our episode with Seth Abram, and the Nine episode, and uh, yeah, it's a good one. Who? I'm sorry. Seth Abram. <laughs> oh, 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 yeah. Yes. Do you have a picture of him? <laughs> oh, no, we love we love Seth. He's a yes. great guy, and Seth's a great example of somebody who's a you know a, a healthy navigating nine, and uh, you know has has achieved a lot and accomplished a lot. Mm-hmm. He has. He's done a lot. Let's talk about the pattern of the expression for the navigating nine. 
Yeah, so so the zone of inner conflict is in the transmitting domain, right? So wh- whereas we talked about the preserving nine almost flinching or literally flinching at the idea of stepping into the limelight and, limelight and promoting themselves, the navigating nine is much more conflicted about it. They want to do it. There's a part of them that wants to stand out. There's a part of them that wants to be recognized. There's a part of them that hungers for... Uh, being noticed and as soon as they see themselves starting to be noticed they kind of jump back into the background right so i always like to see they want to be in the band but they want to be the drummer or something okay or Hmm. you know that that, you know that's not all the time of course but it's a good metaphor of you know i i want to be on stage but i don't want the spotlight on me necessarily at least for too long that's interesting because if we're talking about Seth Abram, he's a singer-songwriter. He he's played in front of thousands of people, front man. Yeah. Sure, it, yeah, there's exceptions, but yeah, similar. and and yeah, well, and again, it's you know I was using that more as a metaphor and not literally, right? So, and I, you know, I don't know Seth well enough to, to, about his musical career well enough, but my guess is there's some sort of conflict going on there, right? As there is with all navigating nines is Mm -hmm. I really want to do it. I really like this. And the other thing, and we've talked about this with some of the other navigating subtypes when, when it's my job, I feel comfortable doing it. Right. So if I am, you know, okay, I'm in a band, I'm the lead singer. It's my job. Boom. I do it. But as soon as I step off of that, out of that very clearly defined role, it gets really uncomfortable. So he might want to be, you know, the the star on the stage, but he might be less comfortable backstage when everybody's asking for autographs and that right. sort of thing. Right. Yeah. Uh, so the zone of indifference for the navigating nine is the um, is the preserving domain, and uh, again, it's just the preserving stuff is just not something that's important and. They're really not good with details, right? I mean, the navigating nine is probably going to be late for most things and forget, you know, their whatever when they got there. And I, um, I, I talked to a this must this was a long time ago, but I knew a navigating nine who actually got onto an airplane without his wallet and flew across the country. Now, again, this was a long time ago. I don't, you know, I guess he didn't have to show ID or something, or maybe he just had his driver's license, but he had no cash, no credit cards or anything. And so he had to have his wife, you know, overnight stuff to it. You know what I mean? It's just... <laughs> You know, it's just the kind of thing you expect from a navigating nine because they're kind of in the clouds to some extent. Seth has never takes his his driver's license anywhere or his wallet Uh anywhere. Uh And he's, I'm always like, aren't you afraid of getting pulled over? And he's like, no, you have like seven days to send because it's happened to be so many times he knows he knows he doesn't need his wallet. So he just doesn't bring it. He drove all the way from Nashville to Georgia and and forgot his phone. So he had to like print maps off somewhere <laughs> and go old school. It was, yeah. yeah. Anyways. Yeah. I, I had a um, navigating nine client say to me one time, and this guy, again, was very successful, a very senior role in a big company. And he said, you know, 
I could live in a cardboard box. When he says, I have a really nice house, a really expensive house, and my family loves it and is happy. But eh, to me, eh, I just don't care. All right, let's move on to the final, Transmitting Nine. Um, This one. This one is one that people do not understand. So so enlighten us. You know, to to me, this subtype is fascinating because it's just complicated. It's the so not stereotypical when you think about the literature and when you see it, you cannot unsee it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you see it and hmm. and it's just so clear, but you have to get there. Yeah. I, I, I'll give an example. It really is. I, I think it's probably the single most misunderstood of all the 27 yeah. subtypes. And uh, now there's a perfect logic to it. Again, when you take this instinctual bias of transmitting and striving to feel peaceful, you get these two elements that are in real contrast with each other, right? One that one that's a, a peacock and the other one that's saying, don't look at me, right? So it's just this, you know, and the way they manage to blend it together can be fascinating, right? Uh, you know, my, my wife's father um, is a transmitting nine. And when I first met him, you know, as I was getting to know him, I thought this guy is a three, right? I mean, just he's dressed sharp. He was, I forget what he was driving at the time, but he's always, you know, he drives a Maserati now. He's got like five cars. He's got three Mercedes and Maserati and something else in the driveway, right? Just loves cars, big expensive watches. He's outgoing, expressive, all these things. Wonderful, wonderful guy. And I'm thinking, my gosh, this guy is such a three. And then he took an online test and he scored like a hundred in the type nine. And at first I was like, what, mm. are you kidding me? And then I started thinking about it and I said, well, of course he's a nine, right? I mean, everything about him is, you know, wanting to get along with people and wanting to keep people happy. And, you know, so again, it's this, you know, peacock on the one hand and don't look at me on the other. You know, another one of my favorite examples is Bruce Springsteen, the musician. Have you heard of him, Creek? Do you know who that is? Uh, um, <laughs> heard the name vaguely. <laughs> so, um, you know, and, and Springsteen is, I mean, the guy is a peacock. He's a showman, right? I mean, he's been on stage his, you know, for 50 plus years and loves to put on a show and loves to entertain and loves to tell stories. And he's incredibly self-deprecating. And he's, you know, always, you know, he's the man of the people and everybody who ever encounters him talks about what a nice guy he is and all that stuff. And, you know, and so, you know, and I bumped into him on the street one time and, you know, in New York, you know, just was, and you passed right through him. No, I, I did. It was like a puff of smoke. No, no, but it was just like one of these things, you know. We just, you know, said, hey, it's Bruce Springsteen and my wife, you know. And he kind of looks, you know, turns around, looks up at me and says, hey, how you doing, you know. And, you know, just a cool, huh? yeah, just, you know, that Bruce Springsteen thing. Hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? Yeah. And then, you know, walks across the street, gets in the back of a, you know, a, a a sedan and, you know, is whisked off, right? But, you know, doing his own shopping at, you know, at the Ralph Lauren store at Madison Avenue. And, you know, so it's this combination of, hey, look at me, but, you know, I'm not that big a deal, but don't take your eyes off me kind of thing, right? It's, uh, to me, Tamar Sanadi, our business partner, is a very yeah. good example of a transmitting nine. He is all over social media, but is so likable. And yeah. so it's not like, look at me, look at me, and doesn't 
make you feel like it's too much, I think. It, because most of the times he's asking, so what do you want me to talk about? Or what do you think about it? So he's also engaging people. He's also making people feel kind of comfortable with his posts, uh, but he's all over it anyway. So it's, it's a really uh, special combination. Yeah. Like an accessible superstar. Yeah, that, that, that's, like exactly what it is. that's exactly what it is. Again, yeah. I'd put Bruce Springsteen in that category. And I think, I think that a, a really um, a disproportionate number of actors and actresses are transmitting nines. I think, I, I think if you, know, you were really to start looking at them, I think you'd be shocked at how many are that way uh, because it just it, it, any any star that has this sort of likable quality you know approachable quality but still can you know put themselves in the limelight is probably a transmitting nine can you name some actors that are yeah. after so, the 2000s your twin your oh, twin after brother the 2000s. your <laughs> twin brother george clooney mario george clooney yeah well <laughs> yeah. I, yeah exactly my doppelganger as they yeah. say yeah. As, so, as everyone yeah. says yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, oh no it's just mario okay no yeah. um yeah uh, yeah, I, I think George Clooney is right. So again, you, you know, if you watch interviews with him, uh, he, you know, he's extremely self-deprecating, right? Mm -hmm. Just oh, and and everybody likes him, and he's easy to get along with, and all these things. Now, I've heard people say he's a seven or something. I, I don't think so. I think he's you know got that transmitting nine thing going on. Uh, but Clint Eastwood. Now again, I'm going way back, Creek. I'm sorry, but um, you know, back, back you know, right back when they started with the talkies, there was this guy named Clint Eastwood, right? You know, Clint Eastwood is you know has directed so many movies, and there was this documentary about him. And everybody just talks about how easy to get along with he is and what a nice guy he is and how undemanding he is. And at the same time, he's Clint Freak, you know, Clint freaking Eastwood, you know, it's like, you're not going to mess with this guy. And he's got this persona, this presence that's unbelievable. I, I would probably put Sylvester Stallone in that category too. Uh, a lot of people think he's a three. Really, you don't know who Sylvester Stallone is? Are no, I, I, I do. I do. I'm just. I'm waiting for someone who's I, I released want, a movie in the past you know, two. I don't. I don't five pay years, attention to any of these young okay. people. I can't keep track. They all look alike. All right. You know? All right. Uh, John Hamm. Uh, again, going back a bit. Uh, Mad Men. Um, yeah. So um, the guy that played Tony Soprano. Um, shoot, what was uh, drawing a blank on his name? Incredible actor. Um, James Gandolfini. Uh, very much a, a transmitting nine in, uh, hmm. you know, in most of his roles and probably in real life. Uh, so what do you think about Ed Sheeran? Do you think that he might be a nine, Greek? He feels like a nine. Yeah, no, that's fair. Very likable. Yeah, John Mayer. Um, really? John Mayer. Yeah, I, th I, th I think probably is a transmitting nine. Um, and um, the, the guy from Coldplay, the lead singer from Coldplay, Chris who, Martin. Yeah, Chris Martin, who had the uh, what was it, the conscious uncoupling from uh, Gwyneth Paltrow or something. You know, that's when they divorced. They said they were consciously uncoupling or something. Um, I think act, actors-wise, I, I would. I, I think maybe Matt Damon and Ben Affleck are both transmitting nines. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. 
So let's talk about pattern of expression for the transmitting nine. What do we need to know? So the transmitting nine, of course, transmitting is a zone of um, enthusiasm and they do it, but it's like 70% there. <laughs> it's not like the full thing that you might see with other transmitters. Uh, it's not a complete transmitter. It's not a complete nine. It's not, not complete, but not the stereotype of the transmitter, not the stereotype of the nine. It's um, halfway both. And the zone of inner conflict is preserving. They struggle they with it. And although they take care of the preserving needs and usually it's a service of the transmitting domain. Usually transmitters never know if they're doing enough and they worry about physical health or uh, resources and how much money, I mean, savings and uh, things like that. Zone of indifference, uh, it's navigating and Although they feel, like I said about preserving, that they're scanning the group to, to look for conflict or avoid conflict, I think they feel at the beginning that they navigate because they do that. But when they really understand what navigating is about, they realize that they don't do it at all. Yeah. They, they have very little understanding of their impact and they're not that good at asking questions either. And so they are attuned to conflict, but not the other things around the group dynamics. So what do we like about nines? They're nice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I like how how they, they create space for you to just be there and be yourself and um, feel comfortable. And mm-hmm. um, I like that. You know, uh, to, to reiterate your earlier point, Mariose, um, we, we do in these often focus on the more negative aspects of the different profiles. But I, I just want to emphasize that, you know, most of the nines I've ever worked with, I've worked with because they're pretty successful, accomplished people. Right. I mean, I, when I work with people in organizations, they're people higher up in the organization, so they've achieved things. And I've worked with a lot of nines over the years. I mean, just uh, they're really uh, overrepresented in leadership positions in organizations. And so, and I think it's because they have that ability to put people at ease, to create space for them, like Maria Jose said, to hear different points of view, and to just make people feel okay about things. Uh, it's really a wonderful gift. And um, so it's something we need more of. It's hard to feel intimidated by nine in in a good way. That's been yeah. my experience. Yeah, it's, yeah. you know, we kind of joke when we talk about nines that one of their strengths is, is um, non-offensiveness. Right, uh, and I always joke that I see that as a character flaw, but it, it really is a you know a nice quality that they just don't tend to rub people the wrong way, and you never hear people say, oh, "I hate that guy," when they're talking about a nine. You just you just don't hear that. Yeah. Eights, on the other hand, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we have not said anything about fours this time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, I'm sure there's some people out there that don't like fours. Um, <laughs> Mostly all right, fours. Well, that, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> we don't like ourselves. <laughs> um, so that concludes our subtypes uh, for this series. Thanks, y'all. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Awareness to Action Enneagram podcast. If you're interested in more information or talking to Mario, MJ, or myself, feel free to reach out to us through the links in the show notes or by emailing info at awarenesstoaction.com. All episode transcriptions and further information can be found at awarenesstoaction.com slash podcast.